All right, are you ready for the word? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you again for this incredible time. Thank you for this awesome time that you give us to be here united. Speak to us. Let your word find us where we're at. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For the next couple of weeks, um, as we segue into Easter, as we get ready to celebrate the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, I want to just cover a few events that were predicted by the prophet Isaiah way before uh, we could ever uh, imagine what was going to take place, way before the people, should I say, that were there could ever see uh, what was going to occur. The prophet Isaiah, who's known as the eagle-eye prophet, um, God just gave to him the ability to be able to see uh, into the future. And, and he was able to see 700 years uh, prior to what was going to take place, prior to what we see take place in the New Testament. He saw in the Old Testament. Um, it's, it's incredible to be able to wrap my mind around this because it's like if somebody uh, predicted in 1322 uh, events that would be taking place today. I, I think that there are some of us in this place that we wouldn't be able to predict some of the things that we're facing seven years ago, um, much less 700 or much more, should I say, 700 years ago. But this was the, the prophet Isaiah, what he was able to see. And, and the Bible lets us know that he predicted that the Messiah would come. Uh, he predicted that the Messiah would be betrayed, that he would remain silent while he was accused, and that he would be counted among criminals. And Isaiah tells us this, that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Isaiah 53 says this, this is, it's in the YouVersion app, and I know it's going to be on the screen. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot or plant, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest griefs. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, is what the prophet said, and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. How many are grateful for that this morning? It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. And he was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. So what we see occur in the New Testament, this, this pivotal moment, this life-changing moment for you and I today, this life-giving moment, Isaiah saw 700 years before it actually happened. He saw what would occur. He saw what would take place on this day, that he would carry himself, that he would be the lamb that covers all, that covers all. 
All four gospel writers recognized this uh, when they write. Matthew said this, and they led him away to crucify him. Mark said they led him out to crucify him. Luke wrote as they led him away, and John records that they took Jesus away. So when I look at the life of our dear Savior, Jesus was a carpenter by trade. I can imagine a well-built man. He spent 17 years of his life just working away, using um, his, his abilities to chisel stone and to build buildings, till one day he is led up to the Kidron Valley, uh, to the place of his death, like the shepherds were doing in that same day, in that same moment with the very sheep that they were bringing up from Bethlehem to be sacrificed in the temple, Jesus is led in like manner. No one could have guessed it, perhaps, on that day, but this was something that was foreshadowed, something that was established by Isaiah in the Old Testament. Can I tell you about it this morning? In Genesis chapter 3, I want to take us through some events that, that lead us to know and to understand that we serve a God who covers us. Amen. We serve a God who covers us. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the first parents, Adam and Eve, we see that they were in the garden. We see that it is a perfect scenario that God gave them a command to be there. We see that they were naked, that they were not ashamed. God had given them everything that they needed was there accessible to them. And there was only one restriction, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, or you will surely die. You will surely die. But with Satan's help, with our enemy's help, they ate anyway. So the scripture lets us know that they looked around and they realized on that moment, in that moment, should I say, when they ate of that fruit, that they were naked. So they sewed some fig leaves together and they tried to, to, to maneuver this outfit so they could just cover themselves. But how many know that we can't cover ourselves? Amen. God was in the habit of walking in the garden, in the midst of the garden with them. Uh, and when they heard him on that one day where everything changed, they panicked. The Bible tells us that God called Adam and said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Adam says, well, I was naked, so I hid. And then God responds, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? You didn't eat from the tree that I told you not to, did you? At which point the human blame game came into play. And it has been going on ever since. Adam pointed to his wife. She made me do it. Eve pointed to the serpent. He made me do it. And at that moment that we understand that they should have died, but it wasn't a physical death, rather it was a spiritual death that took place. And what we see through this is that while they tried to fix the situation themselves, while they tried to, to remedy the situation themselves, God steps in. God steps in and God provided an animal skin to cover Adam and Eve. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21 that the Lord made clothing from skins for the man and his wife and he clothed them. So in order to redeem Adam and Eve's shame on that day, an animal was killed. An animal had to die on their behalf and the animal's life became the substitute for their lives. Hold that in mind while we flip forward a few pages to go to the book of Genesis 22. We understand that in Genesis 21, Abraham 
was given a promise. We understand that at Abraham, at his old age, um, he had been waiting for 25 years approximately and, and for a son to be born. And chapter 22 begins by saying this, Abraham, Abraham, take your son, take your only son. You just have this one whom you love and offer him to me as a burnt offering on, on Mount Moriah. Abraham doesn't understand what's taking place on this, on this day and in this moment, but he trusts God. We understand that he trusts God, and, and it's a three-day journey to get to Mount Moriah. So here they go, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham brings three things with him on this journey. It's a bundle of wood, a tinderbox with fire, and then just a knife. And Isaac sees what is taking place, and as they're walking up, Isaac asks, I see the wood, I see the knife, but, but where is the sacrifice? And can I stop and tell you that I, I just have to stop and admire Abraham's faith. He had an admirable faith because he knows, while the son doesn't, he knows what is taking place. He knows what God has asked him to do, but yet he responds and says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. I'm going through this. There's all kinds of chaos going on on the inside. But, but there is something that lets me know that the Lord will provide. I may be facing trouble. I may be facing turmoil. I may be having all kinds of issues in my marriage and in my family. On the inside, nobody knows, but the Lord will provide. Can I tell you that, that, we, that this uh, challenges us to have a faith to know that our God is faithful. That while you and I are not faithful, that he is true to his word. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. If there is someone that holds his word, it is God. And I have to know... I have to know that there are, some, there are things today in 2022 that we will face, but I have to be able to be, be reminded of what his promises say to me, that his promises are yes and amen. I have to be reminded that I was, old, that I was young and now I'm old, and I have never, ever seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants beg for bread. I have to know that the God that called me is faithful to complete the work that he has begun in me. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but I feel the presence of the Lord in this place today, and I want to remind you that the God that we serve, he is faithful, and he knows the details. He knows what's going on, and I just have to respond in faith and say, he will provide. I don't know how I'm going to make it to my next paycheck, but he will provide. I don't know how I'm going to make it to my next visit, but he's going to provide. The God that I, he's never lost to battle. Calm down, John. All right. I'm going through this, but the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. It's what we tell ourselves. It's what we, it's what we see in his word. Let the weak say I'm strong. Amen. Let the poor say I'm rich. I have the power to be able to declare his promises. So Abraham builds an altar. And he straps his son to it. It's, can you imagine the feeling? Probably, likely, I'm pretty sure, the worst moment of his life. He reaches up with a knife. He brings it down to his son. And suddenly God speaks and says, Abraham, Abraham. He called him one time. 
And he said his name twice. He said, Abraham, Abraham, take your son, your one and only son. And now he calls him again twice, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. Don't lay a hand on your son or do anything to harm him. For I know that you really do have faith in me. Because you did not withhold even your son from me. And through this that we see, through Abraham's call and his obedience, that God provided a ram in place for Isaac. The Bible says in Genesis 22:13 that Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went to, and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Once again, what we see take place in the beginning of the book of Genesis. Now we see it halfway through. We see it with Adam and Eve. We see it with, we see it with Abraham and with Isaac. So now let's keep on moving down the Bible to Exodus chapter 12, the children of Israel. We understand if you've been in church, you may have heard the story that they're in slavery in Egypt. And God wants to free them. So he presents uh, the, the one that's in charge in Egypt, Pharaoh, with ten plagues that are visual aids to be able to, for the visual learners, uh, to be able to understand how powerful God truly is. Each designed to, to, to demonstrate that, that the power of God is superior to the gods of Egypt. And chapter 12 tells us of the, of the tenth plague, that God is going to judge Egypt. Egypt for their sins, but the Israelites have also sinned. So look what God tells Moses. He says, tell every household to select a one-year-old lamb, a male without spot or blemish, and bring it into your house for four days. And at the end of these four days, have them sacrifice the lamb. Take some of its blood and sprinkle it on the doorpost and the lintels of their house. And on that night, the Bible tells us that the angel of death will pass through the entire land and take the life of every firstborn male in payment for the people's sins. The angel will enter every home, but, but if it sees the blood on the doorpost and lentils, it will count that blood as payment for the family's sins and pass over the house, sparing everyone in it. But if it sees the blood on the doorpost and lentils, it will count that blood as payment for the family's sins and pass over. It will just keep on going to the house next to it, sparing everyone in it. It. Moses re relays this message to every Jewish household on that day. And there was a moaning in all the households, as you can imagine, all over Egypt that night as the angel of death came by and took the firstborn in every household except those who had a lamb as a substitute to pay for their sins. And because of this, the Israelites were spared judgment by sacrificing a lamb. Because you see, God's instructions in Exodus chapter 12 were this. Go select an animal from the flock according to your family. Slaughter the Passover animal. Take a cluster of hyssop. Dip it in the blood and that is in the basin. And brush the lintel on the two doorposts with some of the blood in the basin. I'm grateful for the blood that protected them at that point. But I'm grateful for the greater sacrifice of Jesus. For his blood that covers us today. So after that moment, 
in Exodus chapter 12. For the next 1,400 years, what takes place is astonishing. uh, Because on that very same day, every Israelite home brought a lamb into their house. And every, every Passover, they sacrificed a lamb to cover their sins. But this happened year after year after year. Why was it that it happened? Because they kept on sinning. They couldn't put a stop to it. These sacrifices continued as Israel moved into the promised land. It continued after they were carried into Babylon. It continued after they returned to their homeland again. Prophets came and went, the major prophets, the minor prophets, prophets from time to time. They would just hear talk about lambs. They would hear talk about sacrifices. But one day, the prophet Isaiah came on the scene and Isaiah spoke about a suffering servant, somebody that you've never heard of before, that he would come one day and that he would draw the people close to God. And in the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, the scripture that we read this morning, we we understand that the Messiah would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Isaiah said he would be carry himself in this way. So I can imagine that, can you imagine when, what you would hear when something, when something like that was just spoken to you? Uh, could, could it really be, could it really be that one day a, a man will be a lamb? Could it, could, it, could it really be? Could it really be? So we understand that centuries pass and that the people wandered. And in every year, the lamb continued to be slaughtered on that one day. Until one day, a carpenter from Nazareth left his building shop. And he journeyed south along the Jordan River. And he came to a place where a man named John was baptizing and John is in the middle of the water baptizing and all of a sudden he sees Jesus coming from a distance. He sees Jesus coming from a distance and he points in his direction and he says, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. It was an electrifying moment. I can, I can only imagine what it was like being there on that day. Can you imagine the hair that stood up on the back of people's heads as they heard these words come out of John's mouth? Hey, I, I, I'm here, but look who's coming right there. He is greater than I am. He is, he is more powerful than I am. It was an electrifying moment. This was the man who was the lamb. And he was going to lift the weight of their sin. Finally, finally things were going to change. And if you continue to flip the pages forward, you know the next part of the story. That for three and a half years, he teaches like no other. He heals like no other. He cares like no other. He restores like no other. And in a story long recorded in the Bible, we understand that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is led up a hill called Golgotha, where he suffered like a servant and he died like no other, giving his life as payment for the sins of the world. And with the last bit of oxygen that was in his lungs, with the last bit of breath that he had, he looked around at the people gathered there. He looked around at the people that were not just there to support him, but they were there to mock him. And they were there to just beat him. And they were there 
there uh, in, in, just to make fun uh, of who this person was. He looked around at everybody. It didn't matter in what condition they were in. And all the people, not only them, but he looked at all the people that would live one day. He looked uh, into 2022 and saw you and I here today. All the people, he whispered one word in the Greek, and it's three words uh, in the English, to telestai in English. It means it is finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up the spirit on that moment. To telestai is the word that merchants used to use to write on a slip when you went into the shop to buy something. But when you paid the account in full, they would write to telestai. That means you don't owe me anything else. That means all the payment has been taken care of. Nothing more ever needs to be done to atone for the sins of the world. Jesus said it is finished. With this one sacrifice, you won't have to take a lamb anymore. You won't have to sacrifice that lamb. No, there's a blood that is greater than the blood of a lamb, and it is the blood of Jesus. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful today for that blood. The author of the book of Hebrews tells us this, that he entered the most holy place once, once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. I'm grateful for the blood. I'm grateful for the blood. The worship team will join. So when I look at the common theme that is taking place, I understand that man constantly was covered by fig leaves, but couldn't do it on their own. So God stepped in and substituted. An animal was killed. They were covered. When Abraham thought he was going to lose Isaac, God provided a ram in the thicket. There was a substitute. In the book of Exodus in chapter 12, there was a, a lamb that was killed and the blood sprinkled on the doorpost covered the family. Isaiah lets us know that he was going to be led like a lamb. And then John brings it full circle and says, here he is. Here he is. It wasn't just something that was told, but no, God's word is true. And if he says it, he will do it. Here is the lamb. He was slain for the sin of the world. Your sin. Your sin. My sin permanently once and for all what he accomplished on Calvary still covers you today it still covers your loved one that doesn't want anything to do with God doesn't want anything to do with church it covers your spouse that may not be here today it covers your child that has rebelled it covers he stands at the door and he knocks says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he's not going to kick down the door. He says, if you open the door, I will come in and dine with 
you with him and him with me. So what do we do with this? The first thing is I have to receive his sacrifice. I have to receive his sacrifice. So maybe you're in this place today and you have not made the decision to give your life to Jesus. I'm so glad you're here and you will have the opportunity to do so in just a little bit. But after you receive his sacrifice, it's about remaining in his sacrifice. It is about remaining in his sacrifice and to know that he is enough. To know that he is enough and to know that you're loved. To know that you're loved, it doesn't matter what has been spoken into your life. We serve a God who calls you more than a conqueror. We serve a God who calls you blessed. We serve a God who cares enough about you that he says, come. He goes, I know you're heavy, burdened. I know that you have a lot on your shoulder. I know that you have a lot of pressure going on in life. But he says, come, he says, and I will give you rest. That's the God that we serve here today, and he makes this invitation. And it is a constant reminder today to to remain in his sacrifice that I as I receive it then I have to remain in it to know that he paid it all and maybe you're in this place and you're just kicking yourself because you have accepted Jesus but yet somehow you always revert and always go back to old habits and old ways of doing things today you can make a decision to change I'm so glad for a new opportunity to be able to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus allowed himself to be led to the slaughter because he saw everything you needed. And he determined, he made his mind up to pay it for you. Let him into your life today. Let him into your heart. Let him remind you that he paid for your sin. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you today. On this day, I just stop and I say, thank you. Thank you because you stepped into my life in a moment when I needed you. In a moment where I was fragile, in a moment where I was vulnerable, in a moment where I was at my wit's end, I'm grateful that you stepped in and you showed me your love. I'm grateful for your promise. I'm grateful for your word that reminds us that you loved the world. You gave your only son for us. Thank you for doing what I couldn't do. Thank you for doing what was out of my reach. Thank you for the reminder of who I am in you. God, we're grateful today, and we thank you for it. We thank you for it with every head bowed and every eye closed. In this moment, if you would like to make a first-time decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you feel him tugging at your heart, It is God pursuing you this morning. 
it is God telling you that you haven't sinned too much, that you're out of reach. It is God reminding you that he loves you and that your payment is paid in full. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that is you, I'd invite you to just raise your hand right where you're at. If you say, today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want everyone with me here together to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for mine. I have no way to pay it, but I accept your payment. I invite you to be my Lord. I invite you to be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give Jesus praise this morning? Could you please stand? Before we head out, uh, we, we begin the week with worship, and we will begin this week like every other. We start with worship, and we begin with, we end with worship. But we have prayer partners that are going to come forward, and they're here if you have a need. Maybe there's something going on in, on the inside. Maybe there's something going on that you haven't shared with anyone. I like to say that you don't have to pray for it alone. You don't have to pray for it alone. We have people here, maybe you just want to come to this altar and pray in private. You're welcome to do that also. But right now we're going to enter this moment and we're just going to ask God to do an incredible work in your life today. Father, once again, we come before you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that where your spirit is, there is liberty. We thank you, God, that you can work in any situation. We thank you that there is nothing impossible for you. We thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you. God, so right now, I present my need to you. The need that's weighing on my heart, the need that keeps me up at night, the need that just doesn't seem to leave me alone. God, I make a decision today. I make a decision today to bring it to you. I take you up on your promise. I take you up on your invitation that I could bring to you my load and that you will give me rest. There's some of us that need rest on the inside. There's some of us that need rest in our minds and in our spirits, God. And I just pray, God, that you would show yourself strong, that you would do what only you can do. Right now, God, I come against every obstacle. I come against every barrier. I come against everything that is coming against your children that are present here today. God, that you would do a work, that you would be glorified, that you would save, that you would heal, that you would restore, that you would deliver, that you would make a way where there is no way. In Jesus' name, amen.